The opinions expressed in the Keeping It Sporty podcast are individual and are not necessarily representative of Spirit Live or Toronto Metropolitan University. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Keeping It Sporty podcast. New for this season, our podcasts will be on Spirit Live, which is Toronto Metropolitan University's online radio station. Of course, you can still listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or by visiting our website at keepingitsporty.com. On today's episode, as I mentioned last week, I have the same guest on as last week. He doesn't need much of an intro. He's been on. This is not going to be his third time being on. It is Mr. Nathan Skopitz. Nathan, how's it going? It's going great. You know, contrary to popular beliefs, us umpires don't hibernate for the winter. So it's great <laughs> to be here. Okay, so Nathan, so today we're going to be talking about the Blue Jays' disastrous playoff series against the Minnesota Twins and the Jays' season as a whole. And we are also going to be talking about the main focus of the show, data analytics. For those who don't know, the Blue Jays made it to the American League wildcard series this year. They got the matchup they wanted against the Minnesota Twins, and then they didn't do a great job for a few reasons. So let's start with the offense. Nathan, your thoughts on the Blue Jays' offense? All season, the offense had... Um, it had uh, All season, the offense had struggled. All season, runners in scoring position had been for, uh, hard to come by. And when they did get on, it couldn't be hidden. It was very hard to watch at points during the season. And so in the playoffs, surprise, surprise, they had no offense. Mm -hmm. One run in two games, extremely hard to watch. One for 18 with runners in scoring position, absolutely horrible. Lots of base running mistakes, Bo's thrown at the plate. Vlandi's picked off with a 3-2 count. Bo Bichette at the plate, your best hitter. Bases loaded. It was it was hard well, to watch. S second and third, I think it was. But yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes, same difference. It didn't matter because Vladi got picked off. So Same difference. Um, Sonny Gray's in a tough spot in here. Vladi is getting picked. It was just base running mistakes. There were so many. Uh, really, it was just it was just hard to watch um, that yeah. entire series. It was it was a good summary of the, of their season overall. The defense was fine, but. Um, Ultimately, it doesn't matter when you score yeah. one run in two games. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, obviously, game one, you know, they were putting a little bit of a hole early, a couple home runs, and then they finally got a run, but by that time, it was a little bit late, and they really didn't have a chance. And then game two, well, I was hoping they would win, and you and I sat in a nearly empty pickle barrel at Yorkdale <laughs> Mall and watched the Blue Jays lose. Wings against good, the Minnesota though. Twins. Wings no, the, the were, wings were the yeah, only good you know part what? of the I highly recommend the honey garlic chicken wings at Pickle Barrel because the, 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 they were very good. So one bright spot about that night that I remember, yes. <laughs> because obviously the Jays game, I don't want to remember. The wings were more memorable than the Blue Jays. That's for sure. That's for sure. Okay, so let's get into now the pitching decision by whoever it was that made the pitching decision. John Schneider is saying not much about it you know Ross Atkins is saying oh well, it's a management decision and then you have Mark Shapiro in the mix here so again for those who don't know Jose Barrios started game two I was a little bit surprised but you know Jose Barrios was still a good option to go with after going with Gosman in game one and 
he was pitching very, very well. I mean, he didn't give up. I, I forget his end stat line, but he didn't give up very many hits at all. And he pitched a solid three plus innings until he walked a Minnesota Twins batter. And then out came John Schneider. And you and I both looked at each other and we were not happy. And we were very confused by the decision to bring Yusei Kikuchi out of the bullpen, who eventually got into a little bit of trouble and gave up a couple of runs. Is that the reason why they lost? I mean, no, let's face it, the offense was terrible, but that didn't help things. And, you know, you wonder, what if it was still a 0-0 game? What would have happened? Maybe the offense would have eventually come alive. Maybe the season wouldn't have ended like this. So, I mean, okay, first of all, what are your thoughts on the pitching move? Well, uh, I I know what your thoughts are, yeah. but you know, why why, 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 why don't you talk it's, about it's, why you think they made the move? Why, why, it's why very consistent that? with the rest of the fan base in that it's perplexing, it didn't make much sense, and it's frustrating because it it doesn't make much sense at all. Barrios had had an almost perfect first three innings. Everything was working. Great movement. You were watched. He was stifling every hitter, doing great. Then he walks one batter. Okay, fine. But he's had a great three innings, and suddenly uh, John Schneider moves to pull him from the game. And you put in Yusei Kikuchi, who's a fine pitcher in his own right. And the analytics said Kikuchi will do better here. Fine. But from a common sense perspective, you have to think that going with your pitcher, who's been great all night in the th- in the fourth inning, the top of the f- or the bottom of the fourth inning, excuse me, of a game where he'd been great for the th- first three innings. You should keep him in over a guy you don't know who he's going to be. First first batters of the game. He's never come out of the bullpen. I mean, he did a bit last year, but this season he's this been season, exclusively yeah. a starter. And so just common sense from anyone who has been around baseball enough uh, was to leave Barrios in there and have some faith. So it was perplexing. It was frustrating. Uh, and it obviously didn't work out. It reminded me of in 2020 when Matt Shoemaker was pulled from the game for Robbie Ray, and then Robbie Ray gave up some runs. But um, it didn't matter in the end. They didn't score a run, but it was definitely salt in the wound. I agree. And so, and I was going to mention, the person who Barrios walked before he got pulled from the game was Royce Lewis, who had hit two home runs the day before against the Blue Jays in Game 1. And so I didn't even think it was a bad walk at all. So I was Absolutely. just shocked. I mean, maybe if he gives them a home run, different story. But it's, it, it is, like you mentioned, just very shocking that they would do a move like this. And so that, that's what the, I was going to talk about is the data analytics of the game now. Yes, there's a lot of positives, but like in this case, it really backfired on the Blue Jays. And so what are your thoughts on the data analytics in the game of baseball? I think analytics are great, but only to an extent. Look at the Tampa Bay Rays, the Oakland days. They, you know, they have no money. Right, the bottom of the league in in payroll every year, but especially the Rays, they find a way to to field one of the best teams of baseball. Ninety nine wins, that's incredible. And so analytics, I think, are great. I do think they work. I think they're proven. And ultimately, I think you know they they should be how to run your team. However, only to an extent. I think a lot of times analytics will override common sense. And when it does, it always spells problems. I think, I mean, look at the Barrios move. Look at, in 2020 World Series, Blake Snell's pulled by Kevin Cash. Didn't work out. It seems that when it, it seems that old analytics seem to override common sense. And, you know, your old typical manager, what they would do in, say, like the 1960s or, you know, old baseball, it seems that it doesn't work out. So I like analytics, but only to an extent. 
I think it's a problem of how much uh, analytics have sort of worked their way into the game today. I agree. I mean, it becomes an issue when the analytics is suggesting something and it's like, well, common sense must prevail in that situation. And I mean, was this John Schneider's decision to pull Jose Burrios? So I was going to ask you, do you think it was Schneider's decision? Do you think it was up top there, Ross Atkins? Or, I mean, I mean, who made this decision, do you think? I mean, they said data analytics, but there has to be a certain amount of people, right? Yeah. That so Someone had to have guided this decision. Absolutely. Uh, it's hard to say. We saw that Barrios was consoling Schneider after the move, which maybe indicates Schneider, his hands were tied. Might mm -hmm. indicate that. It might not. I don't know. Uh, I know that managers and GMs and, you know, and probably the entire analytics team will go over a pregame plan every day. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of contingencies. I'm sure they had a plan for what might happen if so-and-so X and Y came up, and obviously this is one of their scenarios. Mm -hmm. The analytics were in support of the left-hander, Kikuchi. Uh, and I do think, at the end of the day, he called it, the front office said, we think we should pull him. But at the end of the day, John Schneider's the manager. If he truly didn't believe it, he should say, no, I'm the manager, and not make the move. So I think... Perhaps, maybe John Schneider's the patsy. Maybe he didn't get the maybe he didn't get the move, the call, and maybe he just, he was just told make the move from the front office, or maybe maybe he truly did. I don't know, but I definitely think it and was. And we're never not, gonna know. I do not think it was exclusively John Schneider who made that move. Let me tell you something. John Gibbons would not have done that, because John does not give a damn about analytics and that's not because he's old school and that, that's what I liked about John Gibbons now the issue is with John Schneider and I'm going to give you my honest opinion here John Schneider is a young manager right what second this is the first full season isn't it mm -hmm. with the, but yeah full so the second second season in quotations yeah first full season with them he doesn't have the authority to go against what the front office says absolutely here's what I think happened okay Ross Atkins or somebody up there made a decision if John Schneider did not go with that decision, I bet you John Schneider does, is not returning next year as the Blue Jays manager. But because he went with that decision, they're going to say, well, you know, let's put the blame on you, John. We'll give you your job back. Ross Atkins, oh, I can keep my job. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Maybe may, maybe it was John Schneider's decision, and I'm wrong here, but I have reason to believe that this might have been on the front office. That seems very reasonable. That's a very good point. Um, what if it were Buck Showalter? or John Gibbons, or, or Bob Melvin even. They're experienced enough, and they have a track record and job security because of their names and their experience to, to say, no, this doesn't make sense. I'm not doing it. You can't tell me what to do. I'm the manager. Hang up the phone uh, and, and leave Brios in there. So I think that's a very good point. John Schneider, he says, no, he could very well be fired, right? I think you're, you're speaking lar uh, to a larger problem in the game, which is how involved should front offices be? Some people say, yeah, they should be, managers should just be the person who does what the front office says, doesn't need to, like, like a robot, and put, here's the lineup, put it in, and so, 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 and so. Uh, and some people say, no, the manager should be independent to the front office. There can be some influence, but ultimately, managers should manage the team uh, with common sense. I believe in the latter, more so. I think it's an issue when the front office overreaches and encroaches on the manager's authority. And it seems like that's what we saw in Minnesota at Target Field. And it seems like, obviously, we saw how it didn't work out. 
and I want the manager to be credible and held accountable for his decision. Can the front office have a say? Absolutely. I'm not disagree with that part. It's when they have too much of a say that mm. I have a little bit of an issue with. I completely agree. I think after the game starts, front office can talk to the manager all they want, I think, before the game. But after the game starts, I really think the team should be in control of the manager and it shouldn't be taken off the field. Uh, because I think when when that happens, suddenly analytics override common sense. And that's that's not good. And we saw what it produced, right? Okay, listen, maybe Barrios would have given up some runs too. Maybe he wouldn't have. I mean, we'll never know now. Who knows? But it made more sense to you and I to keep Jose Barrios in the game. And I even I'm not just saying I'm not a person that's saying this after the game was over and you know, just because oh look what happened. But I said it right when they took him out, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so did you. So it's And so not, did Buck when when he so saw Kikuchi Martinez. warming up. Even before the move he saw Kikuchi warming up. Exactly. Exactly. So I mean obviously the wrong move. And uh, another issue I have with it is they're paying Barrios over hundred and fifty million on a seven year deal to pitch in their most important games. And here you are, after he pitches a great, almost not immaculate, but like immaculate in how yeah. good he and how effective he was. I think immaculate is the word to like how many... Yeah. He didn't give up many hits at all. Maybe what, a couple hits here not, or there. I think it was one hit. It was I one think, hit, yeah. He, one he, hit. Was, he was dealing. He was doing great. And I, I think he... I don't know if he got a double play on that, but uh, I think the first thing. But it doesn't matter. You're paying him to pitch in your most impactful games. He's your guy. You like look at his salary, and you're pulling him in the fourth inning because analytics suggest in a playoff. Like that's what was very frustrating, and that's why I think we saw the downside of of analytics. We saw the downside of a front office. Perhaps we don't know, but seems well, likely. That's the thing. We'll never know, right? I mean, you hear a theory here. You, I mean, I just presented my theory to you. You know, maybe another person has a different theory. We're never gonna know. Well, once it's covered up, that's it, right? So anyway, that that's yeah. Let's move on to something else now. Hopefully, <laughs> a little more positive. But well, actually, before we get to the positivity, Alec Manoa. Mm. What happened with Alec Manoa this season? You know, it's it's tough to reflect on it. Um, oh, there's a lot of different theories out there. One, growing pains. Just his sophomore season, he threw a lot of innings in 2022. Maybe he just regressed. His arm was whatever. He He's not used to having to train the way of a major leaguer. He's not used to it. Just growing pains, right? And just he couldn't adjust, and it just didn't work out. I think that's very reasonable. I think that's personally what I believe. Uh, and that's what I think. I, that's that's what I think it is. I, I do think it's growing pains. Mm-hmm. Some people might say he was using spider tack. Now he's exposed. I don't know. That's one theory I've heard a couple people tell me. Um, and it's really, it's, it's just, it's impossible to say. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's hard to say. Yeah, I agree. It's such a complex situation with all these different aspects to it. And I really don't know what's going to happen. I, my only hope is that he's a great starter for next season because the Jays are going to need another good starter on the rotation, which brings me into my next point. The Blue Jays have some free agents coming up in the off season. So, I will name the free agents, and we're gonna play a little game here. This is the fun part about the interview, right? Uh, or the the podcast episode that we're doing, starting with Hyunjin Ryu. So let's start with Hyunjin Ryu. Back or not back? Not back. It seems you got Ricky Tideman, 
probably not to start the year, but at some point, I think it's very likely we see him. And I think I do. I do truly believe Manoa will be a starter in 2024. Maybe, maybe not at the beginning. Maybe it comes up in June, but I do believe that. As long as his, as long as the personality of the Jays and him don't clash, and they figure it out, because obviously he didn't report to the minor leagues. Um, but as long as they can figure out that aspect of it, I do believe in Alec Manoa, and so it doesn't make sense to re-sign Ryu. I, I was going to say the same thing. Um, I mean, Ryu's just not the player he once was. It's unfortunate. I mean, obviously, coming back after Tommy John surgery wasn't bad, but wasn't great. Let's put it where it is, right? And obviously, this all depends on the Alec Manoa situation as well, and depending on if he's going to be back, how he's going to perform, etc. And the Blue Jays know a lot about Manoa's status based on what he's doing now that we mm-hmm. obviously don't know. Yes, exactly. Matt Chapman. Back or not back? Not back. I like Chapman. I think his defense brings a lot to the table. But I think there's a lot of younger guys who can play decent defense and can hit a little bit more than Chapman has proven to in the last couple of seasons. Aurelvis Martinez is a good name. Kevin Biggio is a good name. Even Davis Schneider is is a good name. Uh, there's a lot of guys, I think, knocking on the door. And Chapman's going to be very expensive because of his defense, and rightfully so. He's a great baseball player. Uh, but I don't think the Jays... It, I just don't think it's a great fit, as it was two years ago when they traded for him. Yeah, I, I have to agree with your decision of not back because the defense, great. I, I have no issues. It's just the inconsistent offensive woes at times. And the Jays, I think the most important thing for next season is balancing out offense and defense because obviously, I mean, you don't want the defense to go down and you want the pitching to be great. Mm. Just got to get that offense going a little bit more. And I think that's that's what's really holding the Jays back. I mean, look at the Varsho trade. You got great defense for it. You got Varsho in the outfield. And the offense was just... But you traded... You, to, to fill the hole of defense, which you did with Varsho, you mm-hmm. just opened up the offensive hole by trading Gurriel, by trading Moreno. Exactly, exactly. So I, I think that's... And obviously, again, again, you wish Varsho was a little better offensively, but anyway, Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt. Not back, back or not back? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Go ahead. Brandon Belt really turned things around. He did end up contributing, uh, and he was hitting middle of the order at the end of the season when it really counted. But ultimately, I think the player that Brandon Belt is just doesn't mesh well. I think he can't really play defense. He's got that bad knee. can't really run. Um, he had back issues too. Back the, issues. The, the stomach He's getting cramps. older. Yeah. It just he might he might even retire. So this might not even be a question. Yeah. It just it doesn't make too much sense. He strikes out a concerning amount. I just think as he ages, his bat speed just won't be won't be there. So he did come through for the Jays. He did end up playing well in mm-hmm. the end after some initial struggles. Uh, but I just think it's it's a bad investment at this point. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, he's just getting a little bit older and I, I, I don't see him being a good fit for the Jays next year. I, I agree with you. And on Spencer that one. Horowitz is knocking on the door. Exactly. Like first exactly. base too. So Kevin Kiermeyer, back or not back? I would love him to be back. Mm-hmm. I think the Blue Jays would love him to be back. I don't think Kevin Kiermeyer will be back though. Oh. I think he doesn't want to play on the Jays, from what I've heard, and who knows, rumors. And I, I think Kevin Kumar is the kind of guy who, what we haven't talked about is how the Atkins, Schneider, Barrios fiasco is impacting free agents. But if you're Kevin Kiermaier and the Yankees are offering you a similar deal, or, or any other team, for example, the Yankees just have a rumor to have interest, 
would you really want to play on the Jays given how they're pulling your one of your your 170 million dollar man after three great innings because of analytics like do you really want to be a part of that so I think that will have an impact and Kevin Kiermaier doesn't seem like he wants to resign uh, so I think and who knows why I'm not saying it's necessarily because of that but yeah I think based on what I've heard I don't think Kevin Kiermaier will be back I, I think he loves the fan base. I think he's shown that. I, I, I think he's going to be back next year. I, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route because, you know what, I think Madrid, like you said, would love to have him back. I think he... I, I Honestly, I think he want, he might want to be back next year. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll, maybe he won't. Uh, I'm going back for that one because I think he's going to be back. And I'd I really love hope him to so. be. Yeah. I'd love him to be. Okay, so next player now, Whit Merrifield. Back or not back? It's It's tough to say, but I think he's back. I think his positional versatility is so valuable. Even if you've got guys knocking on the door like your Davis Schneiders, like your Horowitz. Ernie Clements, your Horowitz, um, he brings. He was for th- for 75% of the season, he was their guy, right? He was their best hitter, their most consistent hitter. And I think you really. And he's got speed too. Don't forget about that, even though he's aging. So he'd be a great fit. I think they should bring him back. However, he was not playing in those two playoff games. If I'm with Merrifield and my team's not playing me in the most important games, why would I resign with them? Did, he did pinch hit, no. He, he did he? pinch hit, but, but it wasn't yeah, starting. He yeah, was not. He wasn't starting, actually, which... I believe he pinch ran. I don't think he pinch hit. Oh, maybe. Regardless, he was yeah, not starting. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, again, going back to what I said about Kiermaier, it's that kind of respect. Would you really want to return to if you're not being valued the way you think you should be? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I I think I think what Merrifield's going to be back. I, I I think that he's a great play, piece for the Jays, and I think if the Jays pay him enough, I think he can be back. So I do too. I just think something to consider that he was not yeah. playing. And then finally, Jordan Hicks is the last free agent on the list here. Back or not back? There's been rumors saying that he doesn't want to be back. That it's a long shot. Maybe. Um, I don't know how he feels about Romano and how, like, if he wants to be the closer or not. That um, might be the case. You never know. But I think he's the kind of player, you pay him enough, he'll be back. He's such a good pitcher. He was dominant. Personally, from a pure stuff perspective, I think he's the best pitcher the Jays got, period. Um, so I think he'll be back if the Jays pay him enough, and I think the Jays will pay him enough because of how electric he was. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think for all those reasons that you just said, I think he's gonna be back as well. I mean, he he's got he's he's a flamethrower down there. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the eighth or ninth inning, whenever the Jays needed him, he was very consistent. Um, in the fact that you know he just came in and shut down hitters with his velocity. So I think that I think he's gonna be back as well. I, I have to agree. And he had insane movement too. Mm-hmm. Not not just velocity. Yeah, yeah. He's not just a flamethrower. He's not just a pretty face. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, well, I mean, yeah, I was going to say play throw, but yeah, also, he, he also has some great yeah. uh, movement on his pitches as well. Okay, so Nathan, thank you for returning for a second week in a row to talk about the Blue Jays and the analytics department with me here in the Keeping It Sporty podcast. Yeah, there's no more umping games to do, so I'm wide open. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You just sure. pay me the base umpiring salary. Uh, <laughs> uh. You've been listening to the Keeping It Sporty podcast here on Spirit Live Radio. Don't forget to listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or on our website at keepingitsporty.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at keepingitsporty. That's K E E P 
P-I-N with no G, it sporty. S-P-O-R-T-Y. I've been your host, Elias Strackles. So long, and see you next time.